on Sagittarian Matters, Carrie Bradshaw, Advice on Coffee, Activism, Telling People What to Do, and more, with fan favorite and friend of the show, Beth Pickens. Stay tuned. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Backyard in Portland, Oregon. Listeners, before we get to our talk with friend to the show and esteemed Capricorn Beth Pickens today, I need to set the record straight about a couple of things. Berger was Carrie's worst boyfriend on Sex in the City. I posted this on Instagram and I got some pushback from people that said, wasn't big Carrie's worst boyfriend? What about Petrovsky? He slapped her across the face. Ah, I still think Berger was the worst boyfriend. Cost benefit analysis. She got something out of dating Petrovsky. You know, he, he dazzled her for a second. He showed her what it was like to date an adult for a second. Berger was like her dating a boy child who threw red flag tantrums every time they were together from the first meeting on every single time they hung out burger was flipping out about something and then carrie got stuck in her head and was trying to fix it and got all co with him and then he broke up with her on a post-it are you kidding me just burger was trash his book was terrible if you watch the show again look at the cover of his damn book please. Maybe I'll post it on the Sagittarian Matters Instagram if I can find it. He was the absolute worst. He was worse. Somebody said, what about the alcoholic? You know what? That alcoholic guy had big feelings. If you watch the show, he was a guy who made Carrie his higher power. And then she wouldn't let him come upstairs with her one night. And he had a relapse and threw off his clothes in the street and was screaming, Carrie, I love you, Carrie. That's still better than Burger. Um, Burger's number one, Aiden was Carrie's second worst boyfriend because Aiden was so petty and aggro. He was like sensitive guy who pretends like he's not aggro, but he really is aggro. And then like, you know, he liked bluegrass music and he definitely had a toe ring at some point. No, goodbye, Aiden. I understand that she betrayed him. That is true, but he shouldn't have taken her back. You know, I think we're all on the same page with that. Then the jazz guy, the jazz guy had no redeeming qualities. He had buggy eyes he was such a freak and he tried to play her. He tried to play her like a like a stand-up bass or something. She like she giggled. Ooh, 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 play jazz on me. Oh, just the worst. Somebody's scatting in your ear during intercourse. <laughs> Those are Carrie's top worst boyfriends from Sex and the City. Jack Berger, Aiden Shaw, and the jazz guy. Why isn't Mr. Big on my list? Why isn't Petrovsky on my list? I mentioned Petrovsky. He, he, did so, he made her pancakes. That's more than I can say for most of her boyfriends. Big, sorry, producer Ponyo has something to say, but she, it's not of her generation. I, upon rewatching, find Big to be quite reasonable. Quite reasonable in the face of Carrie flipping out every five seconds about what is going on in their relationship. When I first watched the show as a young person, I thought that Big was a jerk. He's not a jerk. He says cheesy things all the time, like, absolutely, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's a given. That's what you know. That's the price of entry for watching the show. But um, aside from standing her up at her wedding, which was unforgivable, but that was in the movies, not the series. Um, aside from that, 
giant misstep where like he wanted her to pick up the cell phone and she wouldn't because it was her goddamn wedding day. Aside from that, I thought Big was a fine boyfriend to her. The cheating, when he cheated with her, when he was married to Natasha, I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, we can't talk about that. That doesn't really fall into the purview of him being her boyfriend. When he was her boyfriend, he seemed to me somewhat reasonable. And Carrie was the one who was spinning out all the time about the toothbrush, about farting, about needing him to say the right words in the right order. To wrap up my very timely thoughts about Sex in the City and Carrie Bradshaw's worst boyfriends, I just want to say that Carrie Bradshaw is afraid of intimacy. I think we can all agree. If you go back and watch the show, you know, what was Mr. Big to her, but just a blank screen that she was projecting a lot of issues on, honestly. Carrie Bradshaw, avoidant. Miranda Hobbs, avoidant. Samantha Jones, avoidant and sometimes anxious. Charlotte York, anxious and then secure once she got with Harry because things can change. Listeners, thank you for going down this walk down memory lane. The last thing I want to say is that Petrovsky may have freaked out. They may have had some kind of weird tussle. Uh, He may have been a man baby at the end of their relationship, but Berger was a man baby the whole time. And I think that that is going to have a longer psychological effect on Carrie, cast a longer shadow over her relationships. And this is why I vote Jack Berger as the worst boyfriend that Carrie Bradshaw had on Sex in the City. If you have a different opinion, if you have an opinion about Sex in the City, a question for me, anything like that, please call the Sagittarian Matters hotline 971-361-9998. I will be so happy to answer any opinion question Um, to tell you if you're wrong or right, or just to hear what you have to say and play it on the air. So 971-361-9998. And uh, I got to go. My motorcycle is apparently here. Beth Pickens is the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life. She is an arts consultant, a Capricorn, and an esteemed friend to the show. Beth joined producer Ponyo and I to answer your advice questions on getting advanced degrees during a pandemic, unsolicited advice, coffee, today's special, and more. Now please enjoy my talk with friend to the show, Beth Pickens. Beth Pickens, welcome back to Capricorn Matters. I noticed that Capricorn Matters theme song is being played for other Capricorns who appear on the show, and <laughs> I decided I think that's great. Thank you. Um, Producer Chris and I did have a short conversation about that. I was like, do we save the Capricorn Matters theme song just for Beth Pickens, or when we have other Capricorns, do we pipe it in? I, you know, I, don't, I never feel competition. I mean, I don't feel a lot of competition with anybody, but I don't feel competitive with other Capricorns. I feel like, oh, there's another one on my team. Mm. that's good news that's how i feel i feel stronger the more capricorns are around (laughs) well whenever there's like a really cool person and i find out they're a capricorn i'm like oh that's good news for me it's just like strengthen my astrological brand (laughs) (laughs) you have a lot of strong i mean the sagittarius brand is not good i just read a a thing the other day that said richard nixon was a sagittarius brad pitt is a sagittarius but also emily dickinson is a sagittarius britney spears is a sagittarius Emily Dickinson, I can't speak to Britney Spears, but Emily Dickinson could redeem a lot of bad Sages. And there's terrible Capricorns, obviously. 
but you know, so I, having Jessica Lignado on as a Capricorn, like that's a great one for the Capricorn team. And she's a triple Capricorn. So of course you have to play the theme song for her. Yeah. It's, it would be strange. It would be queer to play the Sagittarius matters. Okay. Here's a question that came in just for you. Hi, Beth and Nicole. I'm calling cause I need help. Um, I need it. Um, anyway, so I'm graduating from a pretty fancy master's degree, and I just turned down a PhD program. Um, my plan was to get a job and commit to my art practice, but now there's a pandemic and maybe a depression, and the field where I have the most professional experience at museums is laying people off, like, every day. So I feel like I should stick with my original plan, and I kind of have to, um, and but I, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know if I need to, like, radically adjust my expectations or, like, how to approach the idea of, like, beginning a new career um, and, like, committing to my art practice um, if, you know, things are not good. Um, so all advice is welcome, and thanks. Love you guys. Bye. She loves us. That's I mean, I don't get that all the time. That, that's really nice. Yeah. I, some of the audio was difficult to hear. So when she says my original plan, and I don't know if she uses she program, pronoun. So when this person says that their original plan, is that referring to not taking the PhD program route? Yes. Can you tell from the text? Okay. It says that they, they turned down the PhD program and their plan was to get a job and commit to their art practice. Okay. 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 And that's the original plan they think they need to stick to, but they're feeling... Okay. And I'm a little confused because they also said that maybe they got their master's in like museum stuff, working Mm -hmm. for a museum, but now those are all closing and laying people off. Right, right. right. So I wonder, are they asking if they should hide in a PhD program or like... Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. What do you think? Okay. Um, Well, first of all, you're... This this may or not, may or not, may or may not be comforting, but you're not alone in coming out of a program or having sort of a big closure and next step happening during the pandemic. This is happening to so many people and it's really hard. And I'm sorry, this is not the world that we want for you to come out of your master's program with. It's also not a great time, I think, to make huge decisions about your professional life because more information is going to be revealed. And so This is a really confusing moment in the pandemic. It's been largely confusing the whole time, but during this sort of second spike, second wave moment, when whatever was about to open is being closed again, I think this this isn't the time to decide, I have to find a whole new career. I think this is the time to the best of your ability that you keep it really simple and think about what's happening today, what's happening this month. And by that, I mean financially, logistically, certainly in regards to how you're spending your time. What's happening right now in July 2020 is likely to be very different than what's happening a year from now in July 21. And a lot's going to happen and we don't know what and we don't know the timeline. But you don't have to sort of throw anything away. You don't have to make some big pivot and and, and massively adjust because the conditions are going to keep changing a lot and probably pretty quickly. So to, my advice is to keep it simple and small. Definitely focus on your art as much as you can right now. Definitely have your art practice be one of the things that buoys and cares for you because you need it. Everyone does. 
But I would say, can you think about just sort of the rest of the calendar year and how you can live and work if that's possible or earn money or draw unemployment or get support in other ways, but to keep your life very simple as you collect information about what's available to you next steps. What do you think, Nicole? I mean, I have to say the same. I think your art practice, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter if the world's going well, if the world's not going well, if you feel like there's places to show or not places to show, you just need to do your art practice and then, you know, see what happens once you get to the end of a certain project or a certain kind of line of paintings or whatever the thing is that you're doing. That has nothing to do with anything. That's part of your self-care. That's part of you getting in touch with yourself and exorcising different things from your brain, especially during this time where it's easy to just become a squirrel cage if you don't have an outlet. So make sure you're getting your outlets and, you know, be that physical exercise and art practice, et cetera. As far as job stuff, I mean, I agree with you. I would just, if I, I, I am heeding the prudent advice of Capricorn, Jessica Lignato, and just hoarding money right now. Just as long as you can get money from whatever, literally anything, squirrel it, squirrel it, squirrel it. Don't spend it all on um, like Amazon or whatever online shopping things you might do because you're just glued to your phone all day getting advertised at. Like hoard as much money as you can because who knows what's coming around the corner. I do want to say best pickings. This is a tweet that I'm speaking to you. Um, somebody the other day was like, you know, what is this one going to be called? Because the other one was the Great Depression. I was like, this is the tremendous depression because it's Trump's depression. So we might be on the verge of a tremendous depression. Who knows? So, you know, hoard your shoe leather, grab a bunch, as much money as you can. So then you can, um, fit. and also I like, I mean, sorry, just to be like very depression era, but like, I like to think about my alternate plans of how I could live simply if I needed to. And my art practice is along me, is along with me with any of these plans. Right. Yeah. I, I have also been encouraging my clients to squirrel away money and sort of stockpile that to the best of their ability just to have cash, just to have cash liquid. Um, so making, depending on, we don't know anything about this, this caller's financial situation. This is more of a professional call. Um, but you and I, of course, are going to want to go into money because that is our, that is our predilection. But professionally, just give it some time. After you finish graduate school in any circumstance, it's, it's really, really normal and completely reasonable to feel lost and confused and adrift, even if it wasn't a pandemic. Sometimes postgraduate school, you have to take a little bit of time and understand what, how are you absorbing all of this and how are you readjusting to life after school and what do you want for yourself? So time would have been needed anyway, and now the universe is just making sure you have it because what you thought would happen was isn't going to happen, but more is going to be revealed. I have another question for you. Um, can we just have a side note? We used to talk about this all the time and we've, you know, as time has waned, we've been like, oh, we've said this a million times, but I think all the time, Beth Pickens, about the valuable lesson that you bring to the podcast about how money doesn't always follow talent and that that's like a false equivalency. And there's so many talented people that, you know, you could think all day about people, you know, who are talented, who are not making a living off of that talent, but who deserve to. And I just wonder... Is this something that you say to your clients still all the time that you find yourself oh, having yeah. to repeat? All the time. Capitalism is not a meritocracy. The, <laughs> the best ideas or best intellect or um, most innovative or most visionary or greatest vision for a beloved community, those things aren't rewarded with money. It's like we feel we feel like there's justice being served when the, those things are awarded with money or success, but that's capitalism's not a meritocracy. It might be the inverse. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, especially now, like just thinking, like 
the the public thinking a little bit more about the links between racism and capitalism and how intermixed they are, intertwined they are, especially in America. Um, mm-hmm. I just the critiques of capitalism that are coming out now where people are like Zutalor. It's not so great. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a there's a really interesting um, event happening. Well, actually, you should scratch that because it'll come out right before your podcast. So mm-hmm. never mind. You can edit that out. Okay. Um, but something I would would add here is that um, all just remember at the end of the day, who is profiting off of the quarantine? Hmm. Can you say more about that? Corporations and platforms that we squirrel our hours away spinning out on and and freaking out on. So capitalism not being a meritocracy, just look at, it's like if we're in wartime, who profits off of war? Who profits off this chaos? Who profits off of a quarantine? It's these big fucking companies that are being bailed up by our tax dollars. Today's episode is brought to you by Emily Helmus, Leo Fitzpatrick, Ann Daniels, Maria Turner Carney, Demetra Halutsos, Bridget Sweet, who is a Libra, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or, this just in, he's got Venmo. Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Hello. I recently realized that I have a bad habit of offering unsolicited advice, and then I have the audacity to get upset when people don't take this advice. I like to think it's because I'm wanting to be helpful, but part of me fears that it's just me trying to control others. I also question if my activism, which in and of itself can be unsolicited advice, is maybe leaking into my personal relationships. Signed, Caring Control Freak. Caring Control Freak. It all comes from care and <laughs> and you wanting to control things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while I was listening to that call, I was like, oh, I'm sure Nicole and I, this could be us. Did you throw your voice? Did you call in? (laughs) Producer Ponyo called and was like asking for a friend. Yeah. Help that isn't asked for is just hell. I made that up. We can quote me on that. It's just hell. When, When people didn't ask for advice, as somebody who's given so much unsolicited advice and then been so resentful when people didn't do what I told them to do when they never asked for my opinion anyway, I really empathize with this caller. And um, yeah, telling other people what to do when they didn't ask, it, it doesn't it doesn't get you much good stuff. It doesn't get you a lot of goodwill. It doesn't feel good for you. It doesn't feel good for the other person. Um, sometimes a, a thing I've learned as an adult who's had to unlearn that that habit um, in a variety of capacities is to ask somebody if they, if they want advice, if they want to hear what I think, or if they just want me to listen, right? Like that, that's a big thing to ask somebody when they're telling you about their problems or they're having a crisis and, and you feel like you have input, you can say, do you want me to weigh in or do you just want me to listen? I'll do anything. Um, and then you can tell, like, I have lots of unsolicited advice I no longer give to people who didn't ask for it. So maybe I'll tell a different person, like, here's what I think they should do. And that keeps me from telling that person what they should do. Because the reality is, I don't know what anybody should do. And neither do you, dear caller, because we're not living that person's life. We actually don't know what they should do, even if it seems obvious. 
That's very difficult, difficult for me to admit, but I am a humble human with a simple human brain and I don't know what other people should do. I have ideas and sometimes they're great and sometimes they are off the mark. I, yeah, I was listening to something the other day that was like, try to be in your, the feelings, not the fix. And so a friend coming to you with a problem or a friend having something about their life that seems problematic to you, it's probably going to serve the friendship more if you can be present in the feelings of that situation. Truly just slowing yourself down, being in the feelings of that and trying to empathize and be with them and not just have your brain be like, oh, well, that's actually easy. Um, Here, let me just tell you what to do. That's not, yeah. Yeah, it's really true. When somebody's, when I'm telling somebody something that's going on with me, I, I just want them to listen. And then maybe at the end, I might be curious what they think. But really, we all know what it's like to be telling somebody something and you can just see the wheels turning and they're waiting for us to stop talking, whether it's to change the subject, whether it's to talk about themselves or whether it's to tell us what to do. And it feels bad when what we mostly want in life is to be listened to, just to be heard. I mean, I've found as I've gotten into further adulthood, I feel like when you get to adulthood and then you just kind of go, as you go towards middle age, as I've been pushing, pushing further against 40 years old, I realized that the friendships that I value the most are ones where people can just sit with the feelings and reflect back what they heard or who I am or an experience like that. Like, and I've had moments with friends where it's a big, like ka-chunk moment where I have had to interrupt them and be like, I actually am not looking for feedback right now. I just need you to listen to me. And I've had friends be like, Oh, you're going to tell me how to be. And I'm like, I guess. I don't know. I guess I am going to tell you how I actually can be present too. Cause I, I don't get present when I feel like I'm telling somebody something sensitive and they're like, I know exactly what you should do. Then, I, then my head's like, okay, well they weren't listening or this is not what I need. And it's not like, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. Because you obviously know how to live your life better than me. Like, it's not like anyone I'm telling is a fucking wizard. Oh, I'm like, Oh, your life is so perfect. Will you please tell me how you got to be this way? It's like, I'm like, you're my friend and I'm crying and I don't. You know, you, Beth Pickens, honestly, you know, I'll be like, Beth, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> you know, the, the easiest way I've solved this in my life and the, the caller might could, could could take this or leave it. It might be useful for them. Um, now it's my job to sort of help people figure out what to do and, and give them my feedback and tell them, here's what I think you should do. Here's here's here. I'll boss you around. Right. So now. I'll check in with myself if I want to tell somebody what to do and ask myself, are they paying me by the hour to tell them this? If not, I'm just going to shut up and listen and, and wait for them, wait to hear if they ask me my opinion. Um, how do you, Beth Pickens, do you have opinions about um, how this intersects with activism? Because this person said, mm. I question if my activism, which in and of itself can be unsolicited advice, is maybe leaking into my personal relationships. I, I mean, I have a lot of assumptions and ideas about what that can mean. I don't fully know, so I'll keep it general. And that's that in all parts of your activism, I think go be with the people who are doing the work with you and go be part of frameworks to do the work. So, you know, like just thinking about right now and thinking about um, the movement for Black Lives. And, you know, this issue comes up a lot for, I don't, I obviously don't know anything about this caller, but for me as a white person, when am I trying to talk to white people who were really checked out? And when am I trying to control them? And I have no control over them, right? Like, what is that line? And where do I cross it? And when does it become not productive for either one of us? 
And so one of the really useful things is going to the frameworks that train and teach white people how to do that in an effective way, rather than me trying to figure it out on my own, knowing that I'm a bossy person who wants to tell people what to do. So like, you know, I'm, I've become a, a member and, and really enjoying white people for black lives in Los Angeles. And, you know, they have, it's a, it's a part of showing up for racial justice surge, which has chapters in cities all over the country. And that's a really good place for white people. If that's a part of your activism that feels like it's getting commingled with what is telling people what to do. And I don't know if this is, how, how am I doing this? That's a framework where you can go actually learn with other people who are also trying to sort through those confusing nuanced conversations and learning together to then turn it into action. But I think just to keep it more broadly, um, think about action, right? Like if if you feel like you're doing something unsolicited, again, unless somebody's been in a crisis, like help that isn't asked for is hell when it comes to other humans. Um, And so you can always redirect your resources and efforts away from your own mind of what you think should be done and be a part of a larger framework of people who are working on solutions. I think that can help cut down on some of that confusion. Hi, Nicole. Should I start drinking coffee? I like how it smells. Other people seem to like it, but maybe they're just addicted. Thanks. Bye. Well, caller, I had to quit coffee for um, purely medical reasons. I love coffee. I love caffeine. I love the things it can do for me, what it does to me. Um, and I'm now only a matcha person. I can't have caffeine stronger than green tea level. Very sad, heart related. So I think you should try it. Know it's a drug. So go easy and see what you like. Like see the level of coffee you want to get into. Coffee, I think it's fucking delicious and fun and a wonderful ritual and it's like a great beverage. And I still drink decaf because I love coffee and I love the stuff all around it. And you just get like a high from even smelling it, I think. But um, it's serious caffeine. And depending on what, how your body responds to caffeine, you might just want to like try, you know, like one cup or like mid morning and, and see how your day goes. You might feel amazing. And suddenly the depression is lifted. The fog has cleared and you can do anything. Or you might start having heart palpitations and, and anxiety attacks. Who knows? But just try it out. I like I like the idea of using it as a tool. Like I'm fully addicted. Like I'm sometimes I'm like it would be nice to to not drink like a a liquid I can't see through. It would be nice to not have this such as like dark brown kind of sludgy thing that I'm putting in my body every day, no matter what's going on. It would be nice to feel free of that, and yet I don't care enough to be free of it. Um, so the idea that you get to start fresh and use it as a tool, use it as a drug, use it at, for recreation is really fun to me. I will use it in certain quantities for certain purposes. Like if I have to um, work on a project that's creative or I need my brain to be going so fast and I'm feeling a little unmotivated, I will have cold brew, like a really strong cold brew. So I'm just like, wow. Um, but I also know that there's an, there is a true equivalency of me having a lot of caffeine like cold brew and then feeling angry and anxious and just being angry. Like I'll drink cold brew in my house and then I'll be like, oh, fuck it, fuck it. Like yelling at a cabinet. Why is, your, why is the door coming open? Your only job is to stay closed. God damn it, stupid cabinet. And then I get to stand back and be like, does this have anything to do with the fact that I just had cold brew 15 minutes ago? And I'm like, yes, and I don't care. I will keep doing it and just accept that I'm angry at inanimate objects. I think it's been, has it been two years since I've been off a of coffee? Maybe. I think it's been two years now, this August. And caller, 
again, I didn't want to go off of coffee. And so once I was in the clear to resume it again, if I wanted, I tried a cup. I was like, oh, we are back in business. I had one cup of a French press and I had a terrible anxiety attack all day. And I was enraged, like you're describing. I was like, why is the world so just like out of my mind? And it's because my body had recalibrated to caffeine because I had to go off of all caffeine for six weeks while I was going through a lot of medical things. And so when my body reset after 20 years of daily coffee intake, it just turned out that I, I needed a lot less to get the same really good benefit of caffeine. And I was just reminded, I know Michael Pollan recorded an audiobook. It's not a written book. It's an audiobook about caffeine. So caller, get a, get a cup of coffee, maybe make it a little weak to try it out. And maybe download that audiobook and <laughs> listen to Michael Pollan and they about caffeine and its wonders and how there's actually no drawback. You just need to take it in the moderation that works for your body and, and, and have a really good time. Godspeed. Hi, listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular, our comics and animal illustrations, Go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Beth Pickens, do you have any general advice for listeners during this time? Just about I mean, anything. What is my life if it's not solicited advice and telling people what to do and believing I know what people should do? Uh, so yeah, I do. I have a ton. Um, I'm gonna. I have about 25 things. No, okay, great. Cut it down. Number one, I'm just gonna ask us all to be as gentle with ourselves as possible. Just as gentle as possible. Remember, we are still in a pandemic. Depending on where you live and the nature of your life, that may be super clear. It might get a little fuzzy. So because we're in a pandemic, expect that you have about 40% of your normal capacity, 40% of your productivity, and 40% of your focus. It's just reduced. And so is everyone else's. Hopefully not surgeons. I'm sure they're fine. But the rest of us, we're down to 40% capacity. So you might not be able to do as much as you think you can or should do in a day. So I'm going to ask you to be gentle about that fact and keep it really simple. Um, I think July, happy new year, by the way, beginning of the fiscal year, happy new year, um, may 2021 be a completely different fiscal year than 1920. Um, I think that high summer for people who are sort of like unsure what's going to happen and the, and the, the rhythm of their year is that this is a weird downtime, which is true for a lot of people in different sectors. I'm going to say, how about you don't have to try to figure anything out in July, Maybe this is a time to keep it really simple and gentle and to see what happens next and just kind of focus on one day at a time, taking care of the different parts of your life, your body, your home, your finances, your relationships, um, your imagination and interior spirit, and just keep it as simple as possible. Like we were talking about before, whatever your financial situation, just determine how much, how much money can you kind of accrue and stockpile right now. Money doesn't make you safe, but it gives you choices. Safety comes from community. It comes from people. People can keep you safe. People are the answer. Um, don't call the cops. And if you're a person who's like, 
okay, I'm learning about abolition and defunding the police, but I still have all these questions. Man, there are so many resources coming out that are so helpful for people right now. And so if you're actually curious, like, well, what would I do in the times I thought I would call the police? What do I do instead? My advice is just to do a little bit of reading, just a little bit of reading about the alternatives. It's something I'm doing too. And I'm getting blown away at every turn to all the different ways we could imagine how our communities could be safe together. So I think this is a really good time to rethink how, what beloved community could be. It's like the universe and the movement for black lives, both at the same time are like, let's reimagine how to be. I, you know, my opinion about America is I don't think it worked out. It just doesn't seem, it started off really bad. It's not working out really great. I'm never running for office, so I can say these things in a public forum. I don't know what's going to happen to this whole America project. But what I do know is that 2020 is going to keep being hard because we have a really gnarly election season coming too. Just when you thought 2020 wouldn't get fucking harder, we have this election where we have to elect fucking Joe Biden. Are you fucking kidding me? We have to campaign for that person? So 2020 is going to keep being hard, which means gentle, gentle, gentle with yourself. As gentle you can be with the people you love and to keep the focus on what your vision is for the world. Um, I have a lot more time than I used to have. So if you are like freaking out and need life advice, just keep asking Sagittarian Matters and Nicole and I will come together and find solutions for you anytime. We love to tell people what to do. Do we know the answer? Not 100% of the time, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say 85% of the time. I'll give it a go. High. That's high odds. I have thousands of hundreds, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of therapy and hours under my belt. And I, you know what? I went to therapy so you don't have to. (laughs) I went to therapy school so you don't have to. You know, like between the two of us, we have a lot of therapy down and we have a lot of desire to give love and support and help to queers, freaks, and weirdos of every ilk come to us. We're here for you. I think that's beautiful. Can I tell you one not beautiful pet peeve thing before we go? I have noticed only a couple places, but there is like a weird fashion thing that's happening amongst white queers too. That's like a kind of like vintage, okay, vintage fashion. Cool. But like vintage and then like kind of Americana, like Americana vintage um, nostalgia kind of thing of people like posing in front of American flags, like, ooh, so country. Um, And I cannot help but think that there's a link between people being like so into country and then just like MAGA shit. Like it just, to me, from growing up in Kansas and having like cowboys go to my school, like white cowboys and line up their pickup trucks with Confederate flags and, and American flags in the back, I just think the American flag is such a symbol of like imperialism, colonialism, racism, warmongering, hate. It's hateful. And like, this is just where we live. I didn't, I didn't choose to live, you know, I just was born here. That's all. I don't, so I just like. Accident of birth. Accident of birth. It's July. If you're like, it's so funny or ironic that I have an American flag. What I just, to me, I'm, you know, like, I always hate when queer people like at Halloween are like, don't wear an appropriative costume. I'm like, no shit. I didn't need you to tell me that. But this is actually how I feel I'm doing that now to people about American flags. So I'm like, don't wear an American flag. Don't pose in front of an American flag. And people can say, Nicole, that's unsolicited advice. No shit. I already knew that. <laughs> but I'm always surprised when I see people who are like, country music, so funny and cool. And then they're wearing like an American flag thing. Yeah. You know, I can love Loretta Lynn and I will for the rest of my life. I love old country music. Mm-hmm. It is like the thing from my grandparents that I love and treasure. 
I am not, that does not equate a patriotism. I love the art. So it doesn't have to equate any kind of patriotism. That's weird. Unless you listener are going to run for public office, please do. We need you to, in which case, okay, collect all the imagery of you and American flags because we need you to run for office. But everyone else, yeah, just back off. I just, it needs it. Call us in front of art in your home and tell us about where you got the art. Oh, that's great. But because you can't leave home anyway. You can't. Um, can I tell you a pet peeve? Yeah. Um, you might be surprised that I don't like it when people aren't wearing masks. <laughs> um, what? Which is happening in Los Angeles, California, where we are, I think, right now the number one epicenter. I could be wrong, but that changes minute by minute. So please, everybody, just wear the mask when you leave home. Just leave them, put the mask on, leave it on. Just please. Let's just, if it, if it does, like we have so little we can do. Um, that's a thing we can do to just in case we are unknowingly spreading that or any other germs, just like keep them to yourself. Just do the thing. Please just wear the mask. I will too. I promise. Mary Potter. I went to a Seven Eleven the other day when I was ill and I needed Gatorade and um, a young man had his mask partially off that was working there. And I was like, I want to keep you safe. I was like, I can you, I was like, I, anyway, it's just, I, who, I don't, I could be an asymptomatic super spreader. We don't know. You don't know. You can't tell by looking at me. Wear your mask. Yeah. I'll wear my mask. Just, just wear the mask. Just wear the mask. And if you live in LA, please go get tested at Dodger Stadium. Whether or not you think you have it, because everyone needs to have that experience. It's the most 2020 amusement park ride experience of a lifetime. It's bonkers. Somebody handing you your little special bio kit with your personalized barcode on it with like a trash grabber. From the garbage grabber. Yeah. <laughs> with like a shark head on it. Yeah. Somebody in a hazmat suit with a garbage grabber shark head handing you your bag into your car and be like, close your windows, close your windows. We don't have Disneyland anymore. Disneyland's dead, but we have that. We have the COVID test at the Dodgers Stadium parking lot. So I highly encourage everybody to go do that. God, I want to break into Disneyland and just walk around. Oh my God. Wouldn't it be glorious? empty i think i dreamt recently that i went and it was empty and i was like this is amazing i'm having a weird fantasy of just wanting to go there and roller skate around an empty disneyland just roller skate with ponyo running behind me oh just all alone on the pirate ship but all of them turned off everything turned <laughs> so off creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so creepy so creepy it's remember nickelodeon um today's special the creepy show where they're in the mall at night which Always, for some reason, when I watched it as a kid, it made me have to pee. Like, it gave me such a nervous, excited stomach that I would have to pee watching today's special. Are you sure that wasn't you and being aroused? Day, <laughs> what'd you say? Are you sure that isn't you being aroused as a kid? <laughs> Maybe. To this day, if I'm in a store or especially the mall and it's about to close, I, like, I have to pee. I get this, like, excited, super anxiety feeling. Like, I got to get out of here. And I, I relate it back to watching today's special. I know you have to go, but if people don't know, today's special, it was like this mannequin that would come to life at the end, at the end of the day at the mall. And he had like curly hair. It was very 80s looking, like curly hair. Like, I don't know what you call that cap, like a special kind of, like, not like a newsboy cap, but he... Like a cabbie hat? Yeah, like a like a corduroy, like a mustard corduroy kind of hat. And anyway, I just, I'll, I'll always be haunted by um, a song they sang about stuffed animals called Stuffies. Where the lady that was his, like, girlfriend person was like, Stuffies, Stuffies. Okay. Yeah. When we do our side podcast project called Generation Catalano, we'll talk about today's special. Okay. Because that is a very specific people in our age group born 1978 to 1982. I think they watched today's special. With Muffy the Mouse? 
Which is like a little gray it's mouse so with, with a blonde curly patch of hair. Kind of like how Babe the pig has bangs. She had just like a little curly patch of hair on her mouse head. And big eyelashes. In the mall after it closes. Yeah. And it haunts me to this day. Today's, today's special. Right, that'll be episode three of, of, of um, Generation Catalan. Oh, perfect. Okay, I guess I should, I, I gotta go. I gotta go to work. I love you. I love you too. I love all the listeners. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank.